Amen. This morning, if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word as we read from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 7, and then verses 12 through 18, and then also from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished. They will build houses but not live in them. They will plant vineyards but not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen, the cry on the day of the Lord will be bitter. The shouting of the warrior there, that day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring distress on the people and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like filth. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live in the earth. And on a much brighter note, First, First Thessalonians 5, 1-11. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is a statement that is true, but tragic. It's that too often the church mirrors the culture. And the problem with the church mirroring the culture, if the church is mirroring the culture, it can't change. It doesn't change the culture. So if the nation is divided about politics, those, those divisions can carry over into the church, and, and we are divided. I mean, that's, that's obvious, isn't it? 
We are, I mean, and it's been, the divisions have been for years, and, and people are, are dug in, they're digging in on, on, their, on their particular sides, and, and perhaps you saw it in the news last night and what took place in Washington, D.C., you know, those, those divisions, people, people are, and, and, and that they come into the church. Divisions. The divisions are so deep that some people believe Trump is Jesus and Joe Biden is the devil. And vice versa, some believe, yeah, they believe that Joe Biden is Jesus and, and, tr- and Trump is the devil. The divisions are that deep. But, a divided church has nothing to offer a divided nation. And division's flames are stoked by words. Words that, that either build up or they tear down. This is true. That words are, are either discouraging or they're encouraging. An encouraging word, Proverbs 15.30, describes this way. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. Yeah, like a good meal that sticks to your ribs. An encouraging word, good news is health to the bones. And and who has better good news than the people of God? The church has to distinguish itself from the nation if it is to help heal its division and bring health to its bones. So therefore, we have to give weight, give, give consideration to the importance of encouraging one another because the testimony of Christ is at stake. William Barclay, in his commentary on the book of Hebrews, he says this, he says, one of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at men's ideas. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time, a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Yeah, encouragement. Encouragement builds up. And an encouraging church is a united church, and a united church is able to address a divided nation. But it's more than just the election outcome, isn't it? Because it's the times in, in which we're living. You, you might wonder, might be wondering, how, when will this pandemic end? When will the vaccine work? Are more lockdowns coming? How much toilet paper will I need? How much longer will we be wearing masks? Yeah, we need encouragement. We need encouragement and, and building each other up because the times are discouraging and and it can be deceptive. See, the Thessalonians, they were discouraged about the times. They were suffering persecution, loved ones who were dying, and, and this new religion, Christianity, Acts 17 tells us, has turned the world upside down. And the message here that Paul gives in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it gives them and us the why, the what, 
and the how to encourage and, and build each other up. So let's think about this. Why encourage and build each other up? Verses 1 through 3, where Paul says, Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying, Peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Well, the first, the first reason why we encourage and build each other up is because of what you know about the day of the Lord. And Paul says, you don't need us to write to you. You don't need us to write to you. So you don't need us to write and ask, what is the day of the Lord? Because you already know. You already know. You already, you know, contrary to what is sometimes taught, it's not the obliteration of the world, but it is the Lord making the world new. We don't need to write to you about this. You already know. Jesus is reigning until all things are, are put under his feet. He's restoring order. It's the Lord coming to make an end of sin and its effects. You already know, he says. Rebellion is crushed and death is swallowed up into life. Justice rolls on like a river, like a never-failing stream. The righteous are rewarded, the wicked are destroyed. The ethnicities are united, heaven and earth are one. And the dwelling of God is with his people forever. You already know, he said. You, we don't have to write this to you. You don't have to ask what it is. You already know. When it's coming, you already know. You just, he had just told them in chapter 4 about how this will happen when the Lord returns, and, and now they want to know when. And, and he says, you already know. You know the times. That's not a specific, there's no specifics. That's what that word, it's chronos. The word, the word, it's, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's, it's not looking at a, a specific date. You, there's not a specific date that's given. You know the seasons, the dates. It's not, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not just an opportunity or the convergence of events for, for, as they were, you know, they were in the, those circumstances of persecution and wondering what happened to their loved ones as, as they died in the Lord, and what, what's going to take place. When the, Paul says, you don't need us to write to you, because you know that these times, you know, you, you already know. It's not, it's not given to you the specific date. It's kind of like your death. You know it's going to happen, but you don't know when. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the coming of the Lord. He said times and seasons. Yeah, they can be unsettling. The circumstances can be unsettling. The, the, the days can be unsettling. He said, you already know. But that's the first reason. The second reason is because the Lord makes a difference between his people and those who find peace and safety in something or someone other than the Lord. He had just told them in chapter 4 how the Lord will gather his people when he comes and he, how, he, how both the, the living and the dead, he will gather them together. And Zephaniah, in our Old Testament reading, says something similar when he said, Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. See, God consecrates those he uses to accomplish his purposes. And hasn't he done that in the church? So look at verse 3 of, where he says, while people are saying, peace and safety! Fake news! 
lying to themselves. False security. God is at work preserving his people. You see, there are, there are lies that are offered as encouragement. And the scripture warns us, don't be fooled. Zephaniah, verse one, chapter 1, verse 12 says this, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing either good or bad. What an encouraging lie. But God's people know the truth. That the day of the Lord will be sudden, surprising, and inescapable. And Paul mixes his metaphors here. He says it's like a thief and it's like labor pains. Yeah, so, so the thief, you know, last time you were robbed, hopefully you weren't, but last time you were robbed, did anybody, did they give you a warning? No, no. And the woman with child, she knows the baby is coming, but the baby has its own time, doesn't it? Yeah. The doctor sets a due date, but the babies have their own time. And in both cases, what you do is you make preparation, right? You make preparation. You, get, you prepare. See, you know the day of the Lord, it's coming. You know that it, it's reward for you, for those who believe, but it's destruction for those who seek salvation in something or someone else. And the text says there is no escape. There is no escape from the Lord's wrath. You see, if the Lord, if the Lord is not your refuge, there's no other shelter. Hebrews 2.3 asks this question, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Well, the answer is you can't. And why is that so? Because this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. It's a sure salvation, and it's only in Christ. Zephaniah 1.18 says this, that money can't save you. A good economy won't save you. He says, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live in the earth. So, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, of end of the world movies, you know, maybe, or, and there, and there are a lot of end of the world songs too. You know, Julia Michaels has uh, a breakup song that she's written and it's popular uh, these days. And, but in it, she asked this question, if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? The sky to be falling and I'd hold you tight and there wouldn't be a reason why we would even have to say goodbye. If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Right? You know, in the song, you know, she'll, she, you know, the world's coming to an end and, and she wants her ex to come over if the world is ending. But he wouldn't be able to save her, would he? So why, so why encourage and build each other up? Because of what you know about the day of the Lord. Because the Lord distinguishes between his people and the wicked. He distinguishes between those who believe and those who don't. And the, those who don't, their destruction is inescapable. Martin Luther said there are really only two days that matter. This day and that day. Are you prepared for the day of the Lord? 
And, and if, if you are, then you, what do you use to encourage and build each other up? Verse 4 through 7 says, But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So what do you use? What do you use to encourage and build each other up? Now here in the text, there's two things. The first one is it's our identity. It's our identity as, as, as family and children of the light, children of the day. You're children of the light, the text says. But where does this light come from? Well, John 1, 4, and 5 tells us that the light comes from Jesus. In him, the text says, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says that the light comes by command, by the command from God, who says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. See, it is this light, that it's, this, it's the light of creation that comes from God himself, and it's this light that keeps us from being surprised when the Lord returns. As verse 4 says, what you brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Now, if my identity, if my identity comes through Jesus Christ and through the creative act of God giving me light that comes from his very self, then I dare not suppress it with political ideology. I shouldn't think that the, the beliefs of a political party are the equivalent of the light of Christ. But those things need to be exposed. Those things need to be exposed to the light. And scripture says we are children of the light. And this informs our character. That's the second thing. It informs our character, whereby we also encourage and build up using our character as children of the light. Yeah, identity is who you are. Character is what you do out of who you are. So out of who we are, Paul says, uh, you live alert, awake. You live self-controlled, temperate. So to be vigilant and, and temperate. Because what, that's what watchful means. Being alert, being awake. And, you know, if you're asleep, you, you might suffer danger. Now, in the military, and when I was in basic training some 40 years ago, yeah, I'm that old. Yeah, so I, I was a terrible dorm guard. Do they still do that? I'm a, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I was a terrible dorm guard, you know. And, well, the prop, I was a good one until I was being punished. I was, be, I was being punished because of, well, I won't tell you what I did. But anyway... It, you know, I, my, my punishment was to pull dorm guard duty in the middle of the night. And so in the middle of the night meant, you know, you didn't get any sleep. <laughs> you know, and so, so I, I didn't get any sleep for like six weeks in, in basic training. Oh, but, but so sometimes sleep would get the best of me. When, on the time when I'm supposed to be making my rounds, I was asleep. 
I don't know what happened. You know, I don't know what took place. And one night I, I, I slept and I overslept. And the poor guy who was supposed to, to take my place, he was sleeping too. And I went and woke him up. <laughs> so, hey, what are you doing? You, I've been trying to get you. So, you know, I was a terrible dorm guard. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, sleeping, sleeping exposes you to danger. And, and Paul is saying, stay alert. It's part of your character as children of the day. Sleep is, it's part, it belongs to the night as well as, 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 well as drunkenness. But, and both exposes you, makes you vulnerable. First John 1, 5 through 7 says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So what do we use? What do we use to encourage and build each other up? Our identity and our character as children of light. So how do we encourage and build each other up? Verses 8 through 11 tells us, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. So there are three things here that, that we do to encourage and build each other up. There are others, but we're only on time for these three. No. Protect, protect our vital parts with faith, love, and hope, as verse 8 says. Protect our vital parts, our hearts and our head. The thing, what's at the core of our, of our community? What's at the core of our being? What's at, and what gives us direction with the things that are at our core? Our head. At the center of our lives. At the center of our life as a community is, is faith and love and, and hope. Hope. These are the things that we cultivate. These are the things that we pursue. And Paul is telling this. You know, Paul, see, here's how important this is. Because think about this. Paul is not telling them. He is not telling them, get away from being persecuted. He's not, he's not telling them to pray against Nero. He's not telling them to ask God to give them escape. Rapture us. Get us out of here, God. No. He says, protect yourselves, placing faith and love at the heart of your community and keep hope in your forefront, in your thinking. See, faith in Christ, love for your neighbor, and hope that sustains our courage in the, in the trials of life, holding, holds out the prospect of eternal blessing. That's what hope does. So it's as if Paul is saying, you know, take, a short, take this short-term loss for a long-term eternal gain. If you know the story of Amazon and, the, and their shareholders, you know, you know that that's, that's what uh, they were asked to do. Shareholders were asked. To, to withhold, not, not to look for a return on their investment for five years or, or so. You know, and, 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 more than, and, and at least once they were asked, you know, not this year, wait. So they were, they were asked to hold off on this short, with this, this, for the short term to have a long-term gain. You know, it's kind of, that's kind of what Paul is saying here. Take this short-term persecution, this loss 
for a long-term eternal gain. And then for that reason, and for that reason, you know, we can encourage and, and build each other up. Because we also know our appointment. Look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? Yes, yes. You're no longer under wrath. Hallelujah. Even though the scripture says that we were, in Ephesians 2, 3, we were objects of wrath, but now we're appointed, called, predestined to receive salvation by the grace of God and the mediation of Christ. Hallelujah. And since this is true, Paul goes on, he, Paul is saying to us, intentionally apply the gospel. Because verse 10 says, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. He died for us. Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, it was for us. Intentionally apply this gospel truth. So if one of the highest human duties is the duty of encouragement, try it this week. Call, call some brother or sister here in the body and, and remind them of, of the scope of the gospel. Yeah, you'll feel a little awkward at first. And, and, and you know, you'll feel awkward receiving the call. But you're talking about Christ. You're talking about the gospel. You're remembering what, who he is, what the day of the Lord is about. This is, this is what you're doing. So, as you know, I mean, there are some folks who haven't been to church in a, in, a, in a while. They haven't been to church since the pandemic hit. Call them. Talk to them about Christ. This is what you have in common. And next, you know, the next time you, you feel tempted to, to make a, a, a political post on social media, you know, instead, let it be an encouraging, edifying word to the church body. The, it says, Barclay said the world is full of discouragers. So if you're a Republican, send a note to your Democratic brother or sister. You know, remind them, remind them, uh, encourage them, edify them for the sake of Christ. If you're, if you're, if you're a Democrat, send, send, a, send a, a note to your Republican brother or sister in Christ. The world is full of discouragers. You know, and so Democrat and Republican you can send your, uh, a word to the independent so they will really feel loved. <laughs> uh, add some health to their bones. You know, because too, too often, for a lot of Christians, the understanding of the gospel is, is, is too shallow because they're only thinking of, of personal salvation, individual security, and, and escaping from hell. But here in the text, we're reminded, we see, the, we see the reach of the gospel, that it goes beyond this life. It goes beyond death into eternity. Then it's not just, and it's not just about you personally, but it's for the church, universal. Christ's death and his resurrection are for us, not instead of us, which that's true too. Christ died instead of you and I dying. Christ died, instead, but his death was for us. That's what the text is telling us here. 
And you remember Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. So apply the gospel. Apply the gospel in all times, in every season of life, with intentionality. Applying it to the sins and and struggles of our lives. Because the text says, so that whether so whether you're awake or asleep, we may live together with him in one company forever. Regardless of the time, regardless of the season, whether you're, whether you're dead or alive, you're living with Christ. You see, that's the comfort, that's the encouragement, that's the consoling message of the gospel. And if we obey the command to encourage and build each other up, just as you're doing, I love what that Paul says, that just as you're doing, as if to say, you know, we don't really need to tell you this because you are, you're already doing it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> no, we have, because, because you're just as, it's just as you're already doing, we will have the unity that it takes to help the divided world to see Jesus, who is able to make of the two one. Christ is already reigning and working to bring about the end of, of all things. And if someone asks, if someone asks, when will that be? When will that end be? Well, the scripture tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 15, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, every political system, every, every geopolitical entity, every dictator, every president, every, every leader that is to be named or, or thought of, uh, all dominion, he will destroy all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. For he has put everything under his feet. So if the world is ending, and it is, you need Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, but don't wait until the world ends. Call on him now for salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you have saved us for your own purposes. Lord, what a glorious relief and what a glorious truth that it is that you have not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Enable us by your Spirit to live out this grace among ourselves, Lord, and before a watching world, that we might be able to say to them, Christ is King. Reign, Lord Jesus, until all of your enemies are under your feet. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.